Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. chapter 6 in the name of Jesus. Matthew chapter 6. You feeling good today? Yeah, you must not have watched football yesterday, but um, maybe today will be better. Matthew chapter 6. When you're there in your Bible, let me hear you say amen. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 25. Hallelujah. Isaac, my little clicker deal isn't doing anything today for some reason. It's giving up the ghost. So uh, I'm going to need a little help from you. Ready? Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, it says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor for your body as to what you'll put on. Is life not more than food, and the body not more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky that they do not sow or reap, nor gather crops in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you do not much more important than they. And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then saying, what, or what are we to eat, or what are we to drink, or what are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows what you need, all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Mike. Oh, my clicker dealy is giving up the ghost. Oh, Jesus. Well, that's God for you, right? Hallelujah. We are in our message series today. Uh, flip the script. We're continuing in our message series. Flip the script. And um, I am... Um, I, did, you, did you get anything out of last week? Yeah. Mike, can you make sure everything... i got a ring happening, just if you would help me out on that. I, I, um, we've done some um, heavy theological work in the last... Ooh, we've done some heavy theological work in the last couple months. Uh, we've done deep, deep, deep theological thinking on the, the warfare of the enemy, how the enemy moves, how we are to be positioned, 
to combat that and uh, how we're to be aware of how he influences society, not in a kind of conspiratorial way, not in a spooky kind of way, but in a, in a way that we're, we're conscious of, of, of what's happening in the world. And, uh, and, and in the last couple of weeks, the Lord has uh, talked to me about positioning us, positioning us for not just pushing back the enemy, but moving into destiny. Amen? That, that's what we're looking for. We're talking about moving, moving into destiny. And uh, this is what we want to do now. And... Uh, uh, in, in, this, in, this, in this message series, we're going to talk about how the enemy does certain things, and we need to flip the script on the enemy to make sure that what he's trying to do, we accomplish the opposite. Amen? Amen? And, and, uh, and, and here you go. just want to make sure it's plugged in back there. That's probably what the problem is. Um, I, I find it funny. When you read the Bible, uh, have you noticed that a lot of the people uh, who are the loudest people saying they're proponents of Jesus in his way, seem to look like him the least. Have, have you noticed that? Have you noticed that the people who dominate the public square look the least like Jesus? And there's even a form of kind of toxic masculinity being masqueraded as Christ these days. And uh, uh, Jesus is not like us. Uh, we are to be like Jesus. And Jesus is beyond our understanding fully in this world. We are to see Jesus as He's presented in the Scriptures and really pray that the Holy Spirit would be, would be our agent on the inside of us, transforming us into His likeness. But when I read the Scriptures, when I study the life of Jesus, I, 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 see, I see Jesus didn't worry about the future. You notice that? He wasn't a worrier. Have you noticed that Jesus was not anxious? He wasn't, he wasn't in turmoil. Uh, as a matter of fact, when, when, when I read the readings of, when I read the writings of Paul, Paul wasn't a worrier either. He didn't, he, he actually told us not to worry while he was in prison. Now, I don't know if you've ever had relatives in prison. Uh, the first couple of years of their writings, there's lots of worry, lots of, 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 of internal turmoil, but we don't see that coming from Paul. We didn't see it coming from Jesus, even though you know, he, he knew he would be murdered. We didn't see it coming from Paul. And what I want to talk to you today is not about how we can get our schemes together and, and certain plans on, uh, um, on, on how we can position ourselves uh, so that we can master and get our desires. What I want to talk to you today is about attracting the blessing of God. I want to talk about attracting the blessing of God. Last Sunday, we, we talked about how we can turn any of our circumstances to our benefit through Thanksgiving. It, it was powerful, wasn't it? Have, have you been able to incorporate that into your life this week? Have you been able to see things come your way and just choose thankfulness and notice how it just recolors everything? Is there anybody out there who's putting the Word of God into effect in your lives? Have you noticed how it changes things? It does. As we look for God and what He's doing, it, it, it changes the circumstances around us. And, and let me tell you, last week we talked about how Jesus was thankful. We, we have what we call uh, communion, which is the Eucharist, which is the Greek word for thanksgiving, and how Jesus, when He knew He was going to die, He broke that bread just like His body was broken, and He thanked God for that brokenness in His body, and He thanked God for that cup of the new covenant, the pouring out of His blood. 
he was thankful for that thing, and because of his thankfulness, we're all blessed because of it, because he didn't run from it in, in anxiety, because he didn't run from it in fear. We all have an opportunity to be brought into the covenant. And, and, and we, 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 we got together Sunday night for intercession, and what a powerful time of intercession we had. Amen? Whoever was here was so, so good. And, and we got together for intercession last Sunday night, and um, I just said, hey, we're, what we're going to do is we're just going to pray a little bit. We're going to welcome in a spirit of prophecy, and we're going to welcome in the presence of God in this place. And uh, then we're all going to kind of meditate on the Scriptures, see what Scriptures the Lord leads us to. And we are going to declare the thankfulness, the thankfulness Jesus wants us to embody over, over this church. And so we got together, and we studied our, our Scriptures and, and prayed, and, and then we opened up a time where people can share the Scriptures that they received. And, and, and there, was a, there was a theme to all the Scriptures. It wasn't Thanksgiving. It was the presence of God. And every Scripture talked about the presence of God. It wasn't orchestrated. It, it, it wasn't directed. As a matter of fact, it went against the direction that we talked about. It was because it was led by the Holy Spirit. And when Holy Spirit is leading things, they come together in a way that you and I could never orchestrate. But God was sending us a message. He was sending us a message that when He is present, when He is drawn near, then all the goodness of God manifests in the room. And as we began to declare that, we began to write down all the Scriptures and we tracked what everybody was praying and we had everybody come up and just begin to pray for the presence of God in this church. We prayed for the presence of God in this service. And then, instead of coming this Sunday or waiting seven days to come, He flooded the room right then. There was a spirit, just a heaviness of the Lord in the room. It was so sweet. It was so sweet in the room and people began having visions and prophesying and it was it was it was supernatural. It was God's goodness, which multiplied our thankfulness. See you see how that works. It multiplied our thankfulness. And and so, you know, this is this is this is what God is wanting for us in this house, the presence of God. He wants us individually, and that's what we began to pray for, individually to be in the presence of God. He wants us corporately when we gather to sense and recognize the presence of God. This is the word that we began to pray over South Florida. South Florida needs the presence of God. And, 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 and this is what happened in the room as we prayed. When, when, when Peter was talking to the apostles, he said, you know, as I began to preach to these Gentiles, the Spirit of God fell in the room. And Don't you love it when the Bible comes to life in your own prayer meeting? Don't you love it when the Bible comes to life in your own study? And I went and I talked to God about this. I said, God, you talked to me very clearly about thankfulness. And uh, I, I preached on thankfulness. And you made it very clear that's what I was supposed to preach on. And then I came together and we prayed for thankfulness. And, 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 and instead of multiplying thankfulness, you multiplied your presence. And here's what God spoke to me. Next slide, please. God wants to teach us to be a container that can hold His blessings. This is what He's trying to teach us right now. He's trying to teach us to be a container that can hold His blessings. And this is important. It's important for us to do this. Our families are, are, are counting on us to learn how to host the presence of God. South Florida is counting on us. They don't know it. They don't know that they are counting on the church in Florida to learn how to carry His presence. We have enough formulas. We have enough programs. What we need is presence. 
What we need is a manifest presence of God in South Florida. Can you say amen? We need to build a container for what God wants to pour out in our lives. Can, can I try my clicker again? Is it not working at all? Is it? Oh, that's such a such a such a hurts my heart because then I gotta I gotta like trust. <laughs> oh Jesus, we love you. Next slide, please. Last week we talked about last last. If you didn't catch our Talking Back message series, I would encourage you to go and listen to it for six weeks. We talked about pushing back the plans of the devil, but it can't stop there. We have to move into the land of prosperity. Uh, we, 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 we talked six weeks about discerning the devil. Uh, uh, that's good. It was good. It was good for that season. We did a lot of theology. Uh, but next slide, please. We have to have a vision for human flourishing that does not require us to get everything we want. I am convinced this is where we're at as a house. This is where God is leading us as a people. We have to be able to hear God and flourish in a way that He has designed us for. We, we can't tie our satisfaction to the world lining up with our desires. Uh, I'm a football fan. College football is a big deal to me. We had a couple people over yesterday in the middle of the afternoon, and uh, I was just chilling on the couch because it was that break between the morning games and the afternoon games. And then I said, hey, guys, if you want to hang out, you can watch me yell at the TV. Uh, but this is what we're going to be doing in this house for the next several hours. And uh, true to form, Florida gave me lots of reasons to yell at the TV. And uh, there was a time when I was immature, and I don't know if you've ever been in this place, where when things didn't line up that are beyond my control, they would get me down. They would affect my emotions. It could be sports, and you can laugh at that, but it could be the stock market. It could be, it could be your favorite team. It could be your favorite star got in a, in a scandal, or, or their album flopped, or, or there's so many things that are well beyond our control that we let uh, 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 dictate our emotions that we need to learn. Like these circumstances that I have set up for my happiness cannot determine my happiness. Because if we set up these pins and say these are the things that will make me happy, we have let the enemy know how to control our emotions. But when we walk through life and determine that my emotions are set on the resurrection of Jesus and there's nothing the devil can ever do about that, then all of a sudden our mental focus is, like it says in Hebrews, it has this anchor that is beyond the veil. And beyond the veil, the enemy can never get there. And we can walk in a place of human flourishing even though our life doesn't have everything the world says is important. Peace and amen. This is what we want. This is the kind of mental health we're looking for. We, we learn that, you know, whatever life throws at us, if we receive it with thanksgiving, God can sanctify it for our good. This is a discipline. This is a spiritual discipline. You can take that down, Isaac. No, this is a spiritual discipline that we need to learn. And have you never noticed that, generally speaking, Jesus was a happy person? Have you ever read the Gospels and thought about what Jesus was like. See, we can read the Gospels, we can read the Bible, and just look for us in it. We can read this whole book, this entirely long book that has been written for centuries with so many authors over so many generations and so many circumstances. Instead of stepping into the world of the Bible, we pull the Bible into the world of me. And we don't actually learn about who Jesus was or what He was actually like. Instead, we can just read this Bible and say, what does Jesus have 
for me today. But if you actually read this Bible to try to learn what was Jesus like, generally speaking, he was a pretty happy guy. He was, he was pretty content. Jesus knew that, man, I'm, I'm God, and uh, this world is going to be saved, and I'm going to have disciples, and they're going to live in heaven forever. Like, he was, he was a pretty optimistic guy. As a matter of fact, he's like, yeah, you guys can do whatever you want. As a matter of fact, for a minute there, it's going to look like you got over on me, but yeah, that's not going to work, just so you know. And he just said it matter-of-factly, and people are like, how can you say that, Jesus? Because he was already decided to be content. He had already internally decided to be a happy guy. You know, he dealt with problems. We know that. He had opposition. We, we know that he had issues. We know that he had worries. We know that he was sad. We know that he wept. He wept over his best friend Lazarus' death. He wept over Jerusalem. We, we know that he didn't, he didn't just live denying the world. He didn't just say, you know, none of this matters to me. It mattered greatly to Jesus. Your life matters greatly to Jesus. This town matters greatly to Jesus. What happens to the church matters to Jesus. What happened to the temple mattered to Jesus. But overall, he knew that God is good. And his emotions were anchored in the goodness of God. He, 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 you know, if we study, we see Jesus contrasting two groups in this Scripture. He, he talks about the people that he called the Gentiles and other people, in other translation, they call it the pagans. But literally, it's those people, if you really read the Scriptures, it's those people who are outside the covenant. In this passage that we're studying, there's the Gentiles, the people who are outside the covenant, and, and then there's the people of God. And he's contrasting these two. And put up Matthew 6, 27. He says, And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his lifespan? He's talking to the people of God here. He's not talking to those who don't know God. He isn't talking to those who don't have the promise. He's not talking to those who haven't received God's way. He's talking to the people of God. Sometimes we, we so desire control over our lives. We are searching for immortality. I don't want to live forever. I mean, I do in the Spirit, but I have no desire to be 112 years old on the earth, infirm in a bed with people feeding me applesauce. No thank you. I want to work... I want to work, I want to serve, I want to preach, I want to witness, I want to minister, and then I want to go to heaven, right? I, I don't want to, I'm not designed to spend eternity with gravity pulling my skin closer and closer to the earth and farther and farther away from where it's supposed to be, right? This is not what I was designed for. I was designed to live in the presence of God. And, and Jesus like, you know, y'all are doing all this worrying. Is, is it? Is it... Is it working? Have you ever noticed that when we're anxious, we never run out of things to be anxious about? We never run out of things. It's not like if you think about it hard enough, what you're anxious about, then it goes away. No, 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 no. You just find more things. And if you talk to somebody and they tell you, hey, that thing you're anxious about, you don't need to be anxious about that. You just find something new. Because anxiety is a state of being that's looking for a reason. There is situational anxiety. You know, there's sickness and there's financial issues and there's, there's other conflicts that you might have. But by and large, if you live in this state of anxiety, you are constantly looking for justification for your heart condition. As opposed to living with an awareness of the presence of God. There's so much to worry about in the world. There's so many issues. And, and, and you might worry about being wrong or you might worry about how you look to other people, or you might worry about what legacy you're leaving your kids. You might worry about your future. So many things you might 
worry about, but we have to ask the question, in this day of mental health awareness, in this day where we are um, asking people to get help if you're anxious, to get help if you're depressed, to, to get help if you have suicidal ideations, at some point we need to ask the question, though, not to take away from any of that, for those who don't know, I'm married to a therapist. I, I'm, I, I believe in mental health counseling. But at some point, we have to ask the question, has anxiety ever helped? Has being anxious about something ever helped you fix that problem? Has it ever brought solutions? No, it just gets you stuck. Anxiety gets you stuck. That is this heightened awareness, this super heightened awareness that anxiety has you in makes you super attentive of everything that could be, would be, and might be wrong. It is actually the opposite of living aware of the presence of God. It's living constantly in the presence of what catastrophe might come next. And uh, you remember the movie The Titanic. I, I know it's a little dated now, but we all know the story of the Titanic. The Titanic hit the hit this iceberg, and uh, it was slowly sinking into the ocean, and there were only so many lifeboats, and people were going to die, and many people knew that they weren't going to make it, and some people chose to pray, and some people chose to cry, and there was a band of musicians who were like, we're going to die, we might as well play the music. And so they sat on the deck of the Titanic and made beautiful music. And I wonder, in our catastrophe, in our anxiety, in our catastrophizing our future with bringing the worst possible scenario into today, what might happen if we just chose to live? If the worst is inevitable, how about we make the most of today? Amen. Now, I'm not, I'm not naive. I'm not saying you can just... You can just stop. You just have, you know, just stop worrying. Oh, thanks. Appreciate that that advice right there. Those of you who are anxious or deal with anxiety, you know all the unhelpful solutions people who don't deal with chronic anxiety give. You know those who are in chronic depression know all the uh, unhelpful things that people say to you. Oh, you're depressed, so you have nothing to be depressed about. You have a great family, you have a great life. Why? No, that's why it's called depression. Depression is a state of being that I cannot get out of, and I understand that mental space where you feel like you can't get out of it. And so I'm not naive enough to say you can stop fully in one moment, but maybe today you can start talking back to it. Maybe today you can make a decision, amen. Maybe today, maybe today when the worry comes, instead of giving it hope, instead of animating it with your faith, you can actually begin to argue with the anxiety. Maybe today you can start arguing with the depression. Maybe today you can take a bold step and say, I can't fix this anxiety, but I refuse to let it get the last word. Amen. Now, I know you people dealing with anxiety. I have been there. I have lived in anxiety. I know what it's like. And then you get in a mind frame where you will fight tooth and nail to justify your anxiety. I know it. I've been there. I've sat in the therapist's office for way too many weeks discussing my issues with him. This is what's going on. Well, you better look at how you look at it. Like, what are you talking about? Look at how I look at it. Because that's all you have control over in this season is how you look at it and how you react. 
I'm thankful that I put in the work to have this realization that I get to control what happens on the inside of me. And I can't necessarily stop the enemy from talking, but I have the authority to decide when the conversation is over. And I get to tell the enemy, no, 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 you don't get the last word on this situation. I get the last word because Jesus got the last word. And He has already spoken life over me. And every word of death that comes to my ear, I get to speak back to it. And I get to speak life in the name of Jesus. Amen. I had a... um. It was um, an older gentleman um, that was uh, that I was a pastor of a number of years ago, and uh, I remember one day um, he came to me and um, I said, "Hey, man, how you doing? You just you just glowing with life today. Life, just I just see life all over you. I just see life." And he's like, "Oh, thank you. I, I received that." And so uh, I, I didn't really remember that. Um, a couple months later, uh, he had posted on social media that he had just overcome cancer. And I was like, brother, why, why, why did you tell your pastor you had cancer? Like, I would be praying for you. He said, the morning I came to tell you, you looked at me and you said, I just see life all over you. I see you glowing with radiance. And, and, and you were the, everybody else was telling me that I was so, I was at an age that cancer just comes for people my age. And I got a negative report everywhere I went. But you came and you declared life. And he said, so I just not needed to hold on to that. Now, I didn't tell him this rest of the story that I'm about to tell you. I remember that day I woke up, and I was in prayer, and I heard this brother, his name, I heard this voice said, he's going to die. He's going to get sick, and he's going to die. And then I began envisioning what his funeral would look like. And I was like, I like doing weddings. I don't like doing funerals. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do funerals. I want to do weddings, right? And so I determined in my heart that when I saw him, I was going to speak the opposite of what I heard that morning. And so I came to him, and I began declaring life over him. I just, every time I saw him, I did it. I did it not out of great faith. I didn't do it out of, out of the miracle anointing of, of, of healing word of knowledge. I came because I didn't want the devil to have the last word in my life. And so I just declared life over him. And he's like, you are the only person in my life who is declaring life. And I didn't want to interrupt that. I said, oh, praise the Lamb. I said, there's a lesson in this for me. God has given me something here. Now, I could have just said, oh, brother, I just uh, I heard this word uh, that you're going to die. And uh, just curious if, uh, you know, you've been to the doctor lately. And, you know, oh, yeah, I got a, just got a diagnosis of cancer. Oh, Jesus. Where do you want to be buried? You know, we just start digging the grave right there. You know, just start digging for him. No, we're going to do something. Let's speak, let's speak life. A- amen. Amen. Next slide, please. The worrying is not going to fix anything. Can you say Amen. Uh, the worrying is not going to fix anything. There's no solutions in the anxiety. There's no solutions in it. Now, you better be concerned about your future, go to work, go to college, do what you need to do, be a good employee. Um, We're not saying just, you know, chuck out good responsibility. We're just trying to push back against the lie of the devil that says you're not going to make it. Let's look again at Matthew chapter 6 right here. Let's go to verse 28. Put it up if you would. Thank you. Verse 28. These are the words of Jesus. Now, if you're new to the church, you're new to Christianity, Jesus is a really important guy in this book, right? As you read the story here, Jesus, he's an important character in the story, and such to the point that we just believe everything he says. We just believe it, right? Matthew 6, 
28. He says, this is Jesus. Why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow and they do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, he will not much more clothe you, you of little faith. Now, I want you to relax. Thank you, Isaac. I want you to relax. If you deal with anxiety, I am not going to beat you up today. I'm not going to shame you. That is not the goal at all. The goal here is that I would impart some faith in your life today. My goal today is I'm going to put a little bit of fuel in your fire to fight the plans of the devil. I'm going to throw some logs on the fire of the devil's plans so they can be burned and wiped out. I want to get something on the inside of you that says God has the last word. Amen? I want you to relax because I'm not going to beat you up. Jesus didn't say that all these things that they're worried about is not important. Did you notice that? He didn't say that they're not important. He didn't say, you know, well, well, you know, just, you know, if you really want to be my disciple, just, 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 you know, accept that you're going to be poor. Accept that you're barely going to make it. You know, you're just barely going to get by. He, he didn't say, you know, you know, just beg in the streets and, uh, you know, maybe somebody will give you something to eat. He, 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 he doesn't, he doesn't cause us, call us to be living in poverty. Aren't you thankful for that? But he says that, that he says that there is a grace. There's a grace that's in nature. And that grace in nature, it, nature gets what it needs. And there's this homeostasis in nature that everything gets what it needs. But he says that, there, that there's, also, uh, there's also this thing that can change our circumstances. And it's called faith. He says that there is this supernatural gift and power, this fruit of the Spirit, this endowment from the Holy Ghost called faith. And sometimes we worry because we've not learned how to operate in faith. He says that this obsessive worry about things is actually the opposite of faith. And he uses this kind of language a handful of times in Scripture. So this is not a one-off. This isn't building a theology off of one verse. When Jesus was in the boat with the disciples, you remember the first time they crossed the sea and the waves were, were, were rocking the boat and it looked like they were going to drown and Jesus was taking a nap. Put it up with you, would please. Uh, in, in Matthew 8.26, Jesus said to him, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Now, he, he contrasted faith with fear. Right? And, and, and when Jesus called Peter the second time they were boat, He called Jesus, Peter to come walk on the water with Him. Peter got scared and started to drown. Put it up if you would. Matthew 14, 31. He said, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Again, He contrasted faith with doubt. He contrasted fear with faith. He contrasted doubt with faith. We, we see, a, we see a, a pattern here that Jesus wants us to actively move in faith in a way that fear and doubt doesn't have as much room as it once had. Uh, I'm not saying if you, know, if you have fear, that means that you just don't have enough faith. No, no, this isn't talking about if you have faith or not. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, we talked about this before, 
You have believing faith. We know that. We, we know that you have believing faith. We're, we're talking about other kinds of faith. We're talking about enduring faith. We're talking about obedient faith. We're talking about are you choosing to walk in faith or are you choosing to walk in doubt. If you didn't have faith, He wouldn't rebuke you for not using it. And so we have to ask ourselves, am I walking in faith? And what do I, what, what, what premise do I have to come to the conclusion I can walk in faith? Why, why, why were the disciples rebuked for not having faith in those moments? Next slide, if you would, please. When you're in a boat with Jesus, you're safe no matter what the world looks like. When you're in the boat, this is what we learn on these two storms. When you're in the boat with Jesus, you're safe no matter what the world looks like. No matter what comes, whatever happens. No matter it's going your way or not going your way. Again, I think one of the most important words that has come to this church in the last month is that we have to come up with a definition of human flourishing that does not include us getting everything we want. This anxiety, this fear, is most of the time based in us thinking we may not get what we want. And so we live in the catastrophe before it happens. That will make no kind of sense, does it? That don't make any kind of sense, right? Like, oh, I might get in a car crash tomorrow. Let me just go out there and beat up my car now. Does that make any sense? No. Uh, I might lose my job, and if I lose my job, I'm not going to be able to afford rent and then I'm going to be homeless, I might as well just move out into the streets now. Does that make any kind of sense? But that's what we do emotionally all the time. Am I right? Am I saying the truth right now? This is what we do all the time. We move out into the streets and quit our job and wreck our car way before anything bad ever happens to us. And we, as the people of God in South Florida, have to learn to be containers of God's blessing instead of thinking that we're like the Gentiles who are outside of the faith. Are you with me? You can take that down, I think. The anxiety Jesus is after is the voice that tells you that God can't save you. I'm going to say that again. The anxiety Jesus is after is the voice that tells you that God can't save you. It wants you to give up on God. It wants you to try some other plan, the world's plan, uh, the enemy's plan, any plan but God's plan because you can't really... Trust God. Maybe you were hurt or disappointed and you didn't, it didn't work out the way you thought it would. And so you might as well give up right now. Why even try? And again, I say, maybe try. Maybe God is able to turn things around. Maybe He's the God of miracles. Maybe this thing that you're facing right now may be positioning you for a breakthrough you never could have had without this trial. You can't get a resurrection without a death. And some of you are facing death and Jesus is the one who brought you on shore with that hook. And you're flopping around, refusing to die to that thing. He wants to give you something better. He's trying to do something and we're holding on to the old thing with a death grip because we don't necessarily trust that God has something better. I'm here to tell you today, you serve a very good God. 
You serve a very, very, very loving God. You serve a God who knows what's happening in your life and has good plans for you. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts that you would prosper. You say amen. This is what God has for you. What is Jesus looking for? How do we move from being this, what he called a Gentile or, or the pagan, or, or, or it says in some translations? How do, we, how, do we, how do we go from there into a person who is in the covenant? How do we act like who we really are, members of the body of Christ? How do we make this transition? How do we move from someone outside the covenant who has to do life on their own and become someone God looks out for. What God is looking for, the answer, as I study Scripture, is righteousness. God is looking for the righteous. Look at this, Matthew 6.32. Put it up, please. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for Seek the kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Wow, what does that mean? So if I just seek God, He'll get me that car that I've been looking for? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Right, if I just seek God, then He'll bring me the perfect mate. No, bring me the, no, 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 no. That's, that's, that's not how it works. It's not a lottery. Jesus is not like if you put in faith and then you pull the thing and you get out whatever you want. That's, that's not how, even how a, how, a, how a slot machine works. Right? That, that's not how anything in life works. You just put in whatever you want and then you get out whatever you want. That's not how anything works. What happens, though, is when you choose to put your faith in God and you choose to operate in righteousness, you move into a zone of blessings that no matter what happens, God's going to make it for your good. God's going to turn every circumstance for your good. He, you, you, you may be in a, in a place where the enemy is uh, working on the people around you and influencing the circumstances around you, and you are no, by no fault of your own have all kind of problems coming at you, and you're like, man, I didn't deserve any of this, and Jesus is like, yeah, I know what that feels like. Right? And so, and so, but you're standing in righteousness, you're standing in thankfulness, you're thanking God, you're staying faithful to God, and your finances staying faithful to God, and serving Him, you're staying faithful to God, and your, and your conduct, and your action, and your words, and God is able, no matter what happens around you, to move you dead set in the center of His will. This is what I know God to do. This is what I believe God wants to do in this house, right now, and in this Season. Can you say amen? Put on my next slide if you would, Isaac. Throughout history, God has promises and blessings reserved for the righteous. I'm going to say it again. Throughout history, as you read this book right here, over and over and over again, you will read that God has promises and blessings reserved for the righteous. We need to see God's righteousness in our lives. Theologically, people say, you know, hey, once you're saved, you've got everything there is. That's all there is. These people, oh, that's, that's, that's the end of it right there. You get saved. You get spirit. You're sealed forever. And somehow you're just supposed to, like, tie a knot at the end of your rope and hold on because that's all there is. And one day, just wait for Jesus to return or you go to no, friend. No, 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 no. That's, that's not what it is. You are made right with God through salvation. But we grow in righteousness and we grow in blessings. 
And hey, no matter where you're at today, I'm here to tell you, if you stay faithful to God, you'll look back on this day and say, man, I remember then. I remember when I made a decision for the righteousness of God to come into my life. Let me, let me show you this. Romans 14, 17. The Bible says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Now, now this, remember he said this. In me you may have peace. Remember we, 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 we did a whole sermon talking about in Christ you can have peace. But in this earlier scripture we heard that in the Holy Ghost we have righteousness, we have peace, we have joy. We, we need to live in the triune life of God if we're going to live a life of blessings. We have to be thankful. We have to keep hope alive in our lives. This is what we're after. We want to live in the kingdom of God here on earth. And we can do that by choosing to live in Christ, to believe that God really got my back, to believe that really God has good plans for me, to believe truly that I am blessed and not cursed, to really believe that I am a child of God, that I am a son of the Most High, that I am loved by my Father, that I am the one that God called out of sin and into righteousness, that I am the one that Jesus called from darkness to light, that I am the one who has received His precious Holy Ghost on the inside of me so I can know the will of God. I am one that God looks down and sees the blood of Jesus, not my sins, that I am the one who is positioned to walk in all the promises I see in this book, that I am not the sum total of my mistakes, but I am the sum total of the faith that God has given me. I am not the man I used to be. I'm not the man I want to be, but I'm not that person who met Jesus so many years ago. I have been transformed by God's blood, by His grace, by His Spirit, into the likeness of God, that I can know God, I can walk with God, I can live a life that's pleasing to God, that I can be positioned to walk in the blessings of God. Anybody hear what I'm saying right now? You can walk in the blessings of God. You're not who you used to be. You're not who the enemy says that you are. You're not the sum total of your mistakes. You're not the sum total of your shortcomings. When you have faith in God and you listen to God and you obey God, every yes you give to God is a tally in heaven towards your righteousness. Every time you choose righteousness over sin, heaven notices and grace is poured out on your life. Every time you decide, I know the world is pulling me this way, but I choose to go with who God has shown me to be and what His path looks like. You are carving a path for those to come behind you to make it easier for those people to walk in righteousness. You're spreading the kingdom. You're advancing the gospel. You're doing God's work. The Holy Spirit is with you. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit is with you to empower you to do all these things. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. I want to walk in the blessings of God. How about you? I want to walk in His blessings. I've seen what it looks like to walk in His curse. I've seen what it looks like to walk the ways of the enemy. I've seen what it looks like to walk the ways of the world. And I don't want to do it. I want to walk in God's ways. I've seen that. It's better if you say amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs 10, 6 says, Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Blessings are on the head of the righteous. Oh, you see, by Christ, because of His death and resurrection and my faith in Him, I become righteous. And the moment I decide to follow Jesus, 
and walk in His ways, and I die to my old self, and I'm born again to the new, all of a sudden, I become the righteousness of God. I, I have this opportunity to walk in God's righteousness. And Proverbs says that there's blessings on my head as I walk around. When I walk into a restaurant, it's not just Carl, it's Carl and the blessings of God. I just entered this premise. When I, when I counsel people, I'm thankful that it's not just people call me and ask for Carl's wisdom because Carl has a very definite limitation to his wisdom, but see the blessings of God are over my head. And when people call me, the blessings of God are standing there waiting to be given out like a sprinkler. I believe this. I, I, I've seen it way too many times not to believe it. I just see the blessings of God resting on my head. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Duke, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right now. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a video game when you get a power up, you know, you got this little glowing thing over you, and all of a sudden you got a superpower happening. That's the blessing of God. That's the Holy Ghost of God on your life. Amen. Those who bless me, blessed. Those who curse me, cursed. Favor ain't fair, amen? Not fair, but I take it. I take it. I take it. I want you to receive it too. Uh, those who bless me are blessed. Why? Because I'm good ground. I try to explain this to people all the time. People who call me up and they're like, oh, Pastor, I don't want to waste your time. I'm like, no, no, no. You're good ground. You listen. I'm happy to plant seed in you. I'm, I'm happy to, to pour my life out in you. I'm happy to meet with you. I'm happy to counsel you because you listen. You're good ground. I'm, I'm, and if you listen, your life will be blessed. I don't like wasting my time with people who don't listen. Because I'm like, why? Why? You ever talk to somebody and want your advice and they argue with all your advice? You're like, why did you call me? Why? Why did you call me to tell me that you're that you're doing everything perfect? I don't understand. Like, just just pick up the phone and look in the mirror and say you're perfect, even though everything is going terrible and you're anxious and you're depressed and nothing's working out. Don't change anything, right? Like, why? Why call me? Like, I don't. Does this make sense, Duke? I don't. You, you, you understand? It's not just me, right? I don't have to ask my wife here. My wife is a, is a mental health counselor. And um, we, we have decided for the sake of our marriage that she won't be my therapist. She says I'm a very bad client. <laughs> she says I'm a bad client. Um, she's like, why are you meeting with me if you're not going to listen to what I'm saying? I'm like, I'll, I'll just talk to my own therapist somehow. <laughs> It's a different one if your wife, amen? Uh, David Copeland likes to say, I heard the voice of God, and it sounded like my wife, right? But man, I'm, I'm, I'm good ground to sow into. I know that. I know when I meet with somebody, I, I, I'll call up anybody for advice. I, I, I'll call people, and my wife will be like, how do you just call people? I'm like, I'm good ground. You meet with me, I'm good ground. You're going to get a return on your investment because I'm blessed. Because I'm listening, you put you sow into this ground, you are going to reap a harvest. I, I, I believe that to be true. And that's how you should be walking as well. Peter knew this. Look at this. Peter chapter, 1 Peter 3.12. He says, For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord against evildoer. Wait, wait, wait a minute. His eyes are toward the righteous. Oh, what does that mean? They're blessed. His blessings stand over them. If you are the righteous of God, God, 
His eyes are towards you. He's looking. You're not alone on this planet. God is actually with you even if you don't sense it. When the enemy wants you to worry, you got to talk back to him. you got to talk back to the devil when you feel like things aren't going your way. Oh, I'm not alone, you got to tell him. I am not alone, devil. I know you want to convince me that I am, but I am not. God hears my prayers. His eyes are looking my way. I refuse to have little faith. I refuse to worry my life away. I am blessed. Let's say it together. I am blessed. Say that this week. I refuse to worry my life away. I refuse to give away my blessings to the enemy. I refuse to surrender my inheritance to the devil who has no inheritance. He's not getting it from me. I don't have to look for my blessing. I don't have to worry about it. I just got to seek God. You say amen. I just need to keep my eyes on Jesus and He'll take care of how I receive it. The blessings, are, they're, like a, they're like a magnet. Remember when you were in school and you would play with magnets? And some people, you, no matter how hard you force the magnets together, if the polarity is wrong, they would be pushing each other away. That's what it's like when you don't give your life to God. Instead of, instead of choosing to give your life and receive what He has for you, you're losing it. You, you hold on to your life. And, and, and therefore, you don't get the life God has for you. And no matter how hard you push those magnets together, they never actually stick. And that's the life we see in South Florida. We see people who are so close to the blessing. It looks like they have almost the perfect lives. Like uh, they, 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 they achieve the finances, maybe. They achieve the status. Maybe they achieve the success. Yet, they're always missing something. It just doesn't stick. Happiness, fulfillment, contentment, purpose, it doesn't stick because they've not lost their lives. It's not true blessings. When they die, everything that they've amassed, you're going to read a piece of paper and you're going to give it to somebody else or it's going to be thrown away. But the righteous, it's like when you flip the one magnet around and they go ahead and stick together. And when you operate in that righteousness, when you operate in those blessings, when you make those relationships, all that goes with you to heaven. All of that is with you for eternity. I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to us living near each other and talking about the times that we spent on earth. I'm looking forward to my mansion. I'm looking forward to my pool and my backyard and my mansion. How about you? I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to living in peace, no sickness, no poverty, in the presence of Jesus. I'm looking forward to telling Paul what I thought about his writings. Like, bro, this could have been easier to read, man. Like, did anybody... Have you heard of an editor? Like, did you think about having somebody look at these things before you send it off? Because I am convinced that, you know... I, I, can just, I, I just picture in my mind there being a church in Rome being like, Hey, we got a letter from Paul. We got a letter from Paul. Wait, what? Wait, wait, what? What? What is this? I don't know. And it's kind of like I can see one guy saying to the other guy, like, does he know what Paul is talking about? And the other guy, like, I don't know what he's talking about. Like, don't let anybody know. That's profound, man. I'm so glad we got that letter. That's, 
That's so good. Like, what is he talking about? I don't know. I do. I don't want to do what I want to do. What is he talking about? I don't know. That's good. We should put that into a book. We should, we should write that. We should teach that to our kids. I don't know what it's talking I can't wait to go to heaven and have these conversations with Paul. Like, what were you trying to accomplish here, man? And could you not make it simpler? But listen, here's the point. I digress here. Put it up if you would, Isaac. Put it up. When you live your life chasing the blessing, it never sticks. But when you chase after God, it attaches the blessings to you in a way that sticks. This is the life we want. We want a life where no matter what I'm doing, it just kind of it just kind of sticks. If I can get the band to come on up. How do you get this kind of righteousness? You, you can't do it on your own. Like you, you can't religion your way into the blessing of God. You say amen. Because the, 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 in Israel, they had the law worked out just perfectly. And yet God was like, Jesus came and said, like, man, y'all, y'all are completely, completely missing it. In, in, in Matthew 5, we're not going to go there right now, I don't have time, but Jesus was like, unless your righteousness exceeds the Pharisees and Sadducees, you, you can't enter the kingdom. And the disciples are like, what? These are our religious leaders. If they can't get in, who can get in? And Jesus is like, man, the... The main theme is true righteousness. The main theme is that religious leaders, they had a righteousness based on the outside, based on things they did, not based on who they were. It was external. It wasn't internal. It was, it was a show. It was come and do church, but not necessarily be church. It, it was act like you're following God, but don't actually follow after God. And the Pharisees were worried about every little detail of their conduct and acting right, but Jesus was concerned about their character. Did they exude love? Did they trust God? Were they able to put their faith in the living God? This is, this is what Paul was dealing with when he, he wrote his second letter to the church in Corinth. He's like, you're spending your lives worried about things that don't matter. There are eternal matters that you need to focus on. You see, Jesus Christ came as a man, but fully God. He lived a life without sin, and he came against the lies of the devil and the religion of the day. And he said, there is a better path forward through faith in God. And he was murdered on a cross because religion hated him. But he did not stay dead. On the third day, the Father raised him up from the dead, just like Jesus said would happen. And he taught his disciples for a certain period of time, and then he ascended into heaven. And the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father praying for you right now. And not only is he praying for you, he sent his Spirit to live on the earth, so that when you have faith in Jesus, you can receive His Spirit on the inside of you. The very God of Spirit lives in you. So that you can hear His will and walk in His ways for the glory of Jesus Christ. You don't have to chase after the blessing anymore. You just get to chase after God and the blessings chase after you. This is what we want. This is the life we crave. This is what South Florida really wants. This is what Paul was trying to talk about in his letter to the Corinthians. He says, 
You're focused on the least important things imaginable, South Florida. There's a new you. South Florida says, just buy our product or do what we're telling you or just lean into what we're trying to get you to do. Just the new thing, the new style, the new way of talking, the, the thing. And this little thing will make you complete. Just a little shot here, a little injection there, and a little tuck there. A little more muscle, a little less you, a little more them. And then you'll be fine. You see how they twist the real gospel. But it needs to be a little less us, yes, but not a little less fat and a little less face. It's a little less sin, a little less personal will, a little more faith in God, a little more trusting in God, a faith in Him and His ways over our ways. they're out telling you to do. It's just striving to produce things that can only produce by faith in God. Paul wrote in that letter, he said, the only way of seeing people, the old way of seeing people is gone. It's like, I used to be this. I used to be the person who had all the solutions. If you just do this in your life, if you just act this way, if you just do that program, if you just... He's like, I used to be that person. But now, I don't look at anything that way anymore. As a matter of fact, I don't even see people the way I used to see them anymore. I, I used to look at them well, whether or not they were in the covenant and making sure they were passing the law check and doing the right stuff, but... I can't even look at people like that anymore because I got saved. And when Jesus saved me, not only did it change my heart, it changed my vision. I don't see people, oh, the Gentile and the, and the, and the, and the Jew. I look at it like, man, there's people who are walking in God's favor and people who don't know about it yet. And I need to tell them. And this is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, put it up. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. Paul wanted to murder people because of what they said, but now he's like, what you said before doesn't matter. Today is a new day. It's a new hope, a new possibility, a new horizon. When you put your faith in Christ, Paul is saying, man, I, I used to judge people who needed righteousness, but now, now, in this same passage, he says, I don't judge them because they're not walking in the covenant. I recognize they need me to be an ambassador of the kingdom that I'm now aware of to these people who aren't in the kingdom. That's, that's my real role. My role isn't to judge them and say, why aren't you doing the right thing? My role is to see these people and say, they must not know about this covenant. They must not know about this God. I met this Jesus. They clearly haven't yet. I have to tell them about God's love for them. I have to tell them that there is a blessing waiting to rest over their head, that there are promises laid up in heaven they don't have access to because they don't know him yet. And I have been appointed because I know him as someone who needs to tell them. in sin, but they don't have to be because of Jesus. And then he goes on in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he says, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin 
on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, that's a big deal. This is the Paul who they laid all the coats at his feet when they went to murder a man for confessing Christ. He said, I was there. I carried a letter from the emperor saying I'm allowed to murder anybody who believes in Jesus because these people are messing up our religion. And that Paul became this Paul that says whoever puts their faith in this Jesus not only is saved, not only is righteous, not only has the blessing, but they actually become the righteousness of God. Stand with me if you would. Hallelujah. Oh, Pastor, what 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 are you trying to tell me today? Here's what I want you to do. If you have not put your faith in Christ, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of favor. Today is the acceptable day of the Lord for your life. You say amen. And if you're in the covenant today, I want you to stand firm. Have it settled in your heart that the devil does not have the last word in your life. He does not know the future. He just tries to lie to you about the future to affect your futures because you put your faith in His Word instead of God's Word. But I want you to have power today. I want to pray for you this morning. For those of you who are afflicted, who are spiritually unable to believe the best, I want to pray for you today. I want to pray deliverance, and I want to pray for hope. And for those of you that God has hidden in your heart, a future that looks so different than what you're seeing right now. I want to breathe on that a little bit. We're in a, Brent talked about it earlier, we're in a season of grace right now. I don't know what it is, but there are financial miracles happening all over this church. There are so many crazy miracles happening all over this church. And I want it to be so in your life. Let me give you an example. I'm going to, I didn't ask if I could share this testimony, but I'm going to share it anyways. We were uh, in uh, premarital counseling with a couple. I won't say who. A a couple that's about to get married in in 10 days. And they were making some really wise financial choices. And they said, I I should have had to come up and share this testimony, but too late. And they said, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna delay our, our honeymoon because we still have the money for it. Because we're gonna be good stewards, we're not gonna start our marriage in debt. And I said, that's 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 very wise. That's 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 very wise. However, I have faith for your honeymoon. I want you to begin to pray into this. See, there's I have faith. I said, I want you to begin to pray into this. I believe God wants to give you a honeymoon. I believe God wants you to go away and establish this marriage somewhere else. That you would come back. And it was just like, I, I don't know. I said, no, no, I want, you to, I want you to pray. I want you to believe God. And I got a 
I got an email three days later that people miraculously just began giving them large sums of money. And then someone came and just bought their airline tickets for their honeymoon out of, out of nowhere. And they're planning to fly away on a honeymoon. I'm here to tell you this this is this is God. Amen. There's so many testimonies like this happening right now. I'm getting them all the time. I'm, it's like it's a little it's a little funny. And I hope you make a choice to walk in the blessings of God. To really believe God for favor in this season. See, I got I got I got blessings to give out. I talk to people and they're like, well, I just I just believe this. I'm like, well. I got enough hopes and dreams for the both of us. You can just borrow some of mine because um, you ain't dreaming big enough. I got some faith to put in your heart to believe God for more. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing. Put your hand on the shoulder of somebody near you. And I want you to just begin to pray that they would... Come on up here, Pastor Jason. Pray for me. I want you to pray for somebody near you. Just begin to pray they would walk in faith. That they would walk in hope. That the goodness of God would begin to manifest in their... Wow, 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 mm, that God's presence would hover over and they'd be aware of the blessings of God. There you go, give that up to somebody. That they would begin to walk in the awareness of the presence of God, that they would begin to walk in the favor of the Lord. Come on, pray, pray like, pray like you would want somebody to pray for you if you didn't have rent money in this 27. I want you to pray like you want somebody to pray for you when it looks like they're about to tow your car away and you don't know how you're going to pay for it. Come on. Pray for real, for real. For real, for real. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these right now, for those who have a real need. Maybe it's not financial. Maybe it's relational. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a health emergency. Maybe there is a... Maybe there is a, 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 a need relationally. Maybe there's a family emergency. Maybe there is some other need, Father, that we have not spoken of yet. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, pray, 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 pray. We pray in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus right now. We pray in the name of Jesus for breakthrough in this season right now. We pray for deliverance right now in the name of Jesus. I feel like there's people in the room right now, you're tied to an old season through a, a soul tie, and God wants to break that soul tie and move you into the land of blessing. He wants to move you in the land of prosperity. He wants to move you into the land of milk and honey right now, but you're somehow tied to an old season through an old covenant maybe, or an old relationship, and God wants to do something about that in your life right now. Come on, pray, 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 pray. We're going to watch God do something right now. We're going to watch God do something right now. We're going to watch God do something right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we declare breakthrough. We declare deliverance. We declare the blessings of God. Amen. You did good. Now let's pray for the person who really needs it. Put your hand on your own heart. Father, we decided today that we're going to follow after Jesus. We've decided that you, you, you are a happy God. And you have plans for our blessing. You have plans for our prosperity. And Lord, we pray that you would lower a ladder so we can climb out of the pit of anxiety and depression that we built. We have decided today that we're going to be hopeful even if it's painful. We are going to learn to practice the spiritual discipline of thankfulness and hopefulness. We are going to choose to believe 
that God can get me out of anything. In the name of Jesus. You say, Amen. Amen. We're going to sing now. We're going to sing and let our words line up with what we just prayed. Come on, we're going to declare. He keeps on getting better. He keeps on getting better. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. in your blessings this week that we will be aware of who you are in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. God bless you. If you're a first-time guest, I'd love to meet you in the lobby. Yeah, give a clap off for the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We'll be here next week. Look forward to seeing you. If you need prayer, come to the front. Someone will pray for you. Love you. Have a great week.